Welcome to The Wife Who, episode number three. I'm Caroline. I'm Louise. And this is the podcast where we basically read other people's versions of the lives of women who did something interesting. That's right. And then we tell each other what we have learned. We give voice to the people who are talking about the women. <laughs> yes, which fortunately are nearly always women telling the stories of women. So that makes me feel good. That's right. Even if we are ripping them off. But we're learning and uh, it's all good and interesting. we're crediting them for those who haven't uh, listened to the first episode the reason that this is called the wife who w-y-f um is that we have um a bit of a geordie link because we're from newcastle upon Tyne, and the word wife is used to mean woman up here um and it does come back from the Anglo- anglo-saxon it's a middle english word we think actually from welsh strictly speaking means woman and i kind of like it because it's um it it did attaches the woman from the man you know we think of the word wife of, as being an object of a man but actually that word didn't always mean it reclaims the word it does i like to think so just like the wife of bath used the c word quite a lot didn't she oh God, the wife of bath you know i read that to my partner chris a couple of weeks ago he'd never heard it before it is hilarious when was the last time you read that have you ever read it in full? University? Yeah, it's so good. Honestly, you know what? I might read it to you after this. I was in a play of the uh, of play? the Canterbury Tales, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my God, I'm going to tell... Well, Chris will hear this because he's going to listen to this as soon as we get home. So this is the podcast where we talk about women, we drink wine, we swear a little bit, and we generally try to have a good time, right? Oh yeah, and we praise women. Yeah, yeah, it's all about women. Okay, shall we do um, an obligatory clink? Let's do it. Cheers. Cheers, Caroline. So this episode, I'm going to have to start with a trigger warning. Um, we'll actually be discussing rape, sexual assault in this episode. So for anyone that may find this triggering, you might want to skip this episode because it's kind of a pivotal part of this particular woman's story. Um, so I'm sorry about that. It's not for everybody, I know, but it is important. I'm not planning to go into too much graphic detail, but there are a couple of things where it really is relevant. So you may wish to stop listening now. Okay, so the story I'm going to tell you today is about a woman called Artemisia Gentileschi. That's quite a name, isn't it? And it sounds Italian. It is Italian. You're not familiar with her then? No. Okay, great. I'll be honest, I wasn't either. She's an Italian artist from the 1600s. But apparently she's really famous. And I think maybe we should have heard of her. Apparently, if you have any interest in Renaissance art at all... You should know about this Yeah, she was a a really big player, even though she was a woman. So we're going to hear about Artemisia, the wife who took revenge through art. Good lass. I know. So just like every other episode, I'm stealing most of what I'm about to say to you, Um, this time largely from a book by Dame Jenny Murray, uh, who's probably best known as a Radio 4 Women's Hour presenter. The name's familiar. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, So she's a bit of a legend. Um, Jenny, if you're listening to this, you know, we'd love to come on and... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, or have you on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, We're just reaching out. Seems unlikely, but yeah, thank you. Your book is amazing, by the way, Dame Jenny. Thank you so much. So, Artemisia. She was born in 1593. 
Um, and she was a famous Italian artist who produced these exquisite paintings that were absolutely as good as male paintings at the time, if not better. I don't know if you, have you ever seen any Caravaggio paintings? I mean, we're not really like art critics here. Let's Is say Caravaggio so, the one where um, there's the finger touch with God? Isn't or... that Michelangelo? Mm. I don't know. He did the like really dark backgrounds, very dramatic, muscular, like quite, uh, I don't know, uh, sort of active figures. I think I know. You might you recognize them if you saw them. So before I go on, I just have to mention that um, one of Artemisia's paintings was the basis of a play which became a BBC two a BBC two episode drama called The Painted Lady, starring our girl crush Helen Mirren. No. Yes. <laughs> just for people listening, we love Helen Mirren. Love a bit of Helen Mirren. She's such a legend. We kind of fell in love with each other over Helen, Helen Mirren. Mirren. Tell them why, Caroline. <laughs> Excalibur. So Louise and I met at university doing um, a module on Arthurian legend. We did. And uh, I was especially a big fan of the 1982 film Excalibur, in which Helen Mirren plays uh, Morgan Le Fay. And uh, it's just one that we did a presentation about it, didn't we? It was a long time didn't ago. Didn't we even build a website for it? Back yes. in the days yes, we when did. We had a websites website. weren't that popular. <laughs> it was so much we fun. We geeked out. <laughs> we did. So, Helen Mirren, God love her. I might actually tell you more about that later when you know more about the painting, I'm going to tell you. So, what did Artemisia do? She was this amazing artist. Um, she basically has a weirdly similar... No. Does she have a similar... There are parallels with Margaret Cavendish, who I covered in my last story, of course, in the first episode. So where Mad Madge was the first woman to be admitted into the Royal Society, Artemisia was the first woman admitted into the Academia della Arte del Disegno. I'm sorry if I've really hideously mispronounced that, in Florence. So this was this big society for art in Florence, and she was commissioned for paintings by the aristocracy and even royalty. So big deal. At a time when, prior to her, there'd kind of only been, I think, four female artists of any pretension to notability at all out of hundreds if not thousands of male artists so big deal good lass i know good for her i just need to drink my white water yeah. ah that's better okay also weird coincidence mad madge from Ma margaret cavendish mm -hmm. was born in 1623 when artemisia was 30 years old and artemisia died at 60 when Madge was 30. So one was born when the other one was 30, and then when she was 30, the other one died. The other one died. So there's like that 30-year gap for them both. Yeah. I thought that was kind of spooky. Um, and the fact that I chose to, just randomly chose to do them next to each other, and there's such an overlap. But she lived till a ripe old age of 60 back in those days. Yeah, I guess 60 wasn't bad back then. I mean, we know from episode two with Ada Lovelace, she died at 36. She did. Okay, so just to be clear, I'm not planning on only doing 1600s women ever, by the way. It just happened to be a coincidence. Um, and I just fell in love with this woman who is quoted as having said, I will show your illustrious lordship what a woman can do. Yes. I know. How can you not love I feel her? so proud. Yeah, right. <laughs> so... She was born in the early 1600s. Well, it was 1593. So she's growing up in the early mm -hmm. 1600s. 
when you're either a wife and a mother or a nun, pretty much, right? Okay. That's, that's kind of the option. Or a virgin. <laughs> yeah, nun. A virgin yeah. <laughs> to become a wife or a virgin to become yeah. a nun? Yeah. But she was born to a guy who was a Tuscan painter. Her mum died when she was 12, so we don't really know much about her. And the dad had sons and Artemisia, the daughter. And he obviously, obviously hoped that the sons would follow in his footsteps, take on the family trade. Because the woman can't. Naturally. I think he was a little bit upset when he found that the sons were a bit lazy and not that good. And she was really good and really interested and motivated as well. So she really enjoyed being in the studio. Um, so the dad was really inspired by Caravaggio, who I've mentioned. Um, and so she started painting or trying to paint in that style as well. But whereas men painting in this style, including her father and Caravaggio, painted these kind of skinny, kind of pretty, kind of chaste women, chaste looking women, she turned women into these depictions of, of strong, like warrior yeah much more like a warrior like slightly muscular you know a bit meatier kind of just Mm. sort of powerful like xena warrior princess yes much more that than these sort of delicate flowers Uh um that was really progressive right i think so and you'll see why soon so the turning point was one day when her um so she's 17 at this point her father's out of the house and she's got um, a friend, this woman and this woman's baby hanging out in the house with her. And this artist, a young man artist, calls in to visit and just lets himself into the house. And of course she's, he does. Yeah, huh? You can kind of see where, this, see is where this is going, going already. Yeah, unfortunately. So Artemisia's there. She's busy painting. She's like actually really good artist at this point, but she hasn't produced anything, a big piece yet. She's still learning officially. And the guy comes in and he starts mouthing off at Artemisia, like, always too much painting with you, too much painting, why are you always doing... You're a woman, why are you painting, who do you think you are? So he grabs the palette and the brushes off her and starts throwing them around. And the friend, who's there to chaperone her, goes, oh, forget this, I'm going upstairs. And Artemisia's like, no, 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 you stay here. She's like, I don't want to get involved in any fights. And she takes the baby and goes upstairs and leaves her alone with this man to be raped yes unfortunately he does rape her and at this point i kind of want to say i did think quite long and hard about whether or not i wanted to include this because she was a wonderful artist in her own right regardless of the fact that she was raped it's almost a shame that she's been remembered as the victim the survivor of a rape, but actually the more you look into her story, I do think that the way she painted and the things that you can see in her paintings make so much more sense and... And stem from this moment. I, th- I think to an extent, yes, I really do. So it, it was nice to see that some exhibitions of her artwork don't even mention that, you know, that is good. But I think when we're talking about her life, I think it is important that we mention it. So, of course, she was 17, of course she was a virgin, she was a respectable, unmarried 17-year-old woman. But apparently around that time, rape of a woman was much less seen as a crime, a personal crime against the woman, and more of a crime against the family's honour. 
I mean, you can kind of see that, but it seems like the woman kind of got... Forgotten. A little bit, as a person. So, it was only when... So, this guy, he raped her, and then he was like, oh, oh, but I'll marry you, and it'll be fine. But he was already married, so it's kind of a weird... And she didn't want to marry him. No, of course she He raped her. She detested him. So... Only when he fails to marry her does the father, her father, then take him to court. Because the fact that he doesn't marry her means that he's dishonoured the family name. Not the fact that he raped her. Exactly. The fact that he doesn't marry her. I know, it's really disappointing. However, this is how we know so much about this rape, is because there appear to be records of this court event. And she describes the rape in graphic detail, moment to moment, step by step. And I can tell you the whole story. I'm not going to, but there are two things from it that I do want to draw out. One is that while he was raping her, I mean, there's no nicer way to say it really is there. While he was doing this, she fought so hard, she grabbed his manhood and she tore strips of flesh out of it with her fingernails. And I'm really sorry if anyone's a bit squeamish, but I did give you the warning earlier on. I'm so sorry. I'm just so proud of her that she fought so hard that she she hurt him. She managed to tear yeah. bits off his body. Yeah. But he carried on, regardless. And then afterwards, when he was done, when he'd had his way, she jumped up as soon as he released her, because apparently he had her with... Well, you know what? It doesn't matter. But she jumped up and she ran to the nearest place where she could pick up a knife and she threw the knife directly at him. And she admits in court she would have killed him. She was quite happy to kill but him. But unfortunately, the knife didn't land. He deflected it. Yeah, I know. What a hero, though. I mean, go on, Artemisia. Good for you. So he was convicted in this court case, which is amazing. I and mean, probably rare. I think probably. I mean, even nowadays, it's infamous, isn't it, that rape cases are 50 50, mm-hmm. more or less. So he was convicted, punished to five years banishment from the city, but no one's really sure if that actually happened or what. Next thing you know, the dad has married her off to this other artist, some other guy. And it's not clear whether she was up for it and thought, well, maybe it's a way to move on with my life or whether the father just needed anyone that was prepared to overlook this embarrassment. Mm -hmm. Because she was damaged goods. Exactly. So, she and this guy went off together to Florence, and Florence apparently at this time had been for quite some time the cultural, exciting hub, you know, the cool part of London sort of vibe. Yeah, so um, I did a history of art trip to Florence, well, to uh, Italy when I was about 18. And you didn't get taught about Artemisia Gentileschi? Well, no, we, it actually Mm -hmm. wasn't just history of art, it was our history teacher was a Bonapartist. He was obsessed with Napoleon. Oh, yeah? And he tried to fashion a trip to Italy that somehow involved Napoleon. Okay. So there was a few random, like, fields we went to where, oh, Napoleon fought a battle here. Oh, fun times. But there were, <laughs> we were also allowed to go to... Uh, Galleries. Florence, Verona, and Venice. Oh, lovely. So Florence was great. I've never been to Florence. I'd love to go. Oh, we went to some of the... Quite a few of the art galleries. And you know the Statue of David? Mm-hmm. What I learned about this was um, this whole thing of David and Goliath. David represents Florence. And Goliath represents Rome. Mm. So uh, this um, statue made by Michelangelo... It was like Florence's way of saying to Rome, okay, you're the, you're the giant, you're big, but 
but we have something to offer. Yeah. You know, we we have culture, yeah. we have things going on, yeah. and we can beat you. We got the balls. Absolutely. I like that. That's cool. <laughs> well, I've learned something. I've learned several things new tonight, frankly. Okay, so she while she was in Florence with this guy, she's painting at this point, and she produces a good number of paintings for the Medici family, who were really, really famous. They were like a really powerful, rich, influential family in Italian history. Um, and I'm just going to tell you about some of her artworks because that is what, you know, that's what she did that was interesting is she produced these amazing pieces of art. So the first, more or less the first thing that she produced in 1610, so still she's 17, so it's the same year she gets raped. I don't know whether it's before or after. She produces this painting called Susanna and the Elders. And it's like, it's a story of this woman, Susanna, from the book of Daniel. I'm going to go ahead and assume you don't know that story. I don't know. Okay, fine. In this story, there are these two older, lecherous, hideous men um, who are respectable in society, apparently. And they find this Susanna woman who's um, newly married in a garden bathing or whatever. And they threaten her. They say to her, you're going to let us have sex with you. Otherwise, we're going to say that you've been adulterous with this other young guy over here. And bear in mind that at the time, adultery was punishable by death as well. So imagine yourself in that situation. I mean, it's a pretty... They gang rape her. They threaten to, certainly, but she doesn't allow it. And they, they declaim her in public. They denounce her and say that she did this thing. So you can imagine it's like, that is a massive sort of feminist subject to choose isn't it she, so she takes this is her first big painting and she paints so it's not the first time anyone has, has painted this image but in the one that she does and i can show it to you and we will post it of course on the um facebook page as well and on the website later i don't know if you can see this can you see how these two old men are so lecherous and disgusting and her face is pure revulsion She's turning away, like... Yeah, and ugh. so she's naked in this as well. She is, but it she's looks bathing. like she's at court. Mm-hmm. Are these the people who try to blackmail her yes. to have sex with her? Yeah. So, yeah, she's revulsed by them. Yeah, it's And it's really... very much like, oh, talk to the hand. I'm definitely not listening. Yeah, it's not like she's all offended and innocent. and ch- It's like, she's like, fuck off. Like, you are hideous. Oh, yeah, it's really visceral. Um... And then another painting. So a couple of years later, she does one called Dene, which is a Greek myth of a woman who gets confined to her bedchamber by her father to prevent a prophecy from coming true where she gets impregnated with a son who is going to destroy her father, right? It's one of these, like, you'll be locked away so that you can't have this child who will kill me. Um, Zeus, in this story, turns himself into a shower of gold and impregnates her through... Rain. Sort of golden coin rain or something. Wow. Yeah, it's weird. Um, in previous depictions of this in art, you'd had a sort of innocent and chaste and sort of tragic kind of pasty woman, Dene. Frail. Yeah. Or worse, they'd be shown as like promiscuous and greedy for the gold and like loving it. It was kind it's of like bathing in the gold. Yeah, kind of gross. But Artemisia's depiction is very much like in that moment of experiencing it, being moved by it. And it's not clear if it's a sort of rape scene or if it's just 
what am I experiencing? It's not really clear, but it's, I mean, it is a rape. That is kind of what you're seeing here. And she's chosen this subject. So you can see she's already starting to choose these subjects that traditionally were only painted by men. And they showed these women as being victims very much. Well, I mean, they are victims, but you know, pasty, skinny, pretty, pathetic. And probably with a certain amount of eroticism going on. Well, I mean, arguably in this particular picture, there is a there is a hint of eroticism. From a, but what I mean from the male point of view, from the male POV, yeah. um, they probably do put a little bit of eroticism into the painting. Yeah. Whereas I bet she just doesn't do any of that. Yeah, I, I mean, this particular one, it's very hard to tell. But the other one, so the next one, she did a couple of versions of this one called Judith Slaying Holoth. Now, I'm not really sure how to pronounce that. I've heard it a couple of ways. I like holophonies, like Mephistopheles. It works for me. I'm going to show you it, and we're going to describe. So tell me what you see in this painting. And tell everyone what you can see. There's a man lying down, and there are two women standing over him, holding him down. And one of the women has got a dagger that she's pushing sword, into his... I guess. Neck or what would shoulder? you say the expression on their faces looks like? Determination. Yeah. Do they look like they wish they weren't there, not doing this, like innocent? Or do they look like they mean business? They look like they mean business, definitely. When I was looking at this earlier, we were discussing it actually, and they are almost like, this is a job that needs doing. We're going to get shit done. It's like, it's almost like, Plucking a chicken to Absolutely. Them. It almost looks like they're having to prepare the Sunday lunch. And they're like muscular, aren't they? They're oh, not yeah. these skinny, pathetic women. They're getting down to It's business. like they're the cooks in the kitchen. Yes. So the story of Judith slaying Holophanes is that um, the it was um, Nebuchadnezzar, I think, was, was basically attacking the Jewish people and Holophanes was his general. And um, Judith is like, no, I've had enough of this. Like, I need to, I think I can do something about this. She goes into Holofernes' tent to seduce him, to try and distract him. When he's drunk, um, she and her maid, I think, um, then take a sword and they cut off his head. And then the Jewish people take courage from this and then they defeat the evil Nebuchadnezzar. So that's the story. Apparently it's really hard to cut off someone's head. I bet it is. Like really hard. Mm. You can't just cut off someone's head, you know. The French invaded the guillotine for a reason, didn't they? (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Caravaggio had done a really similar violent painting with the, you know, cutting off of the head and all this sort of thing. Um, but in his version, there's the woman has this sort of frown and she's all pretty and delicate. And like, oh, oh, I'm not sure I should be doing this. Whereas clearly in that one that you saw, it's down to business. We just, women power. It's like the two women, it's like a sisterhood of just... Shit's got to get done. Yeah. We'll do this. Exactly. Similarly, in 1623, she did Lucretia, who's a figure from classical mythology who was raped. And then um, after making public that that had happened, she then kills herself. So she's choosing these. And here's she's the picture of that one. choosing the subjects of rape quite a lot. But again, look, still a strong, powerful... She's choosing to do it to herself. She's determined. and it's, Big, solid women. Yes. It's interesting. Um, and there are others. Um, so seemingly uh, Artemisia herself 
wasn't a delicate sort of pretty she she there's a um a self-portrait that i'll show you later and she has that kind of powerful sort of bodily presence that's really cool and i think she's painting almost herself again and again in these depictions of these women taking the power back Mm -hmm. and it makes her really interesting so carrying on with her life story she's had four children at this point but only one of them has actually survived a daughter and shortly after this her husband who is a philanderer and just you know typical story he's artist jealous he's adulterous he spends all their money he walks out so Artemisia decides to move away from Florence. Um, she goes to Rome, but she's a single mother and she can't find any commissions. So she moves to Venice. She does actually get commissioned by Philip IV of Spain for painting of Achilles at this point, which is pretty good. So she's getting the top tier commissions, which is amazing for a woman. She now, however, has to flee there because there's a plague in 1639. In Venice. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of timely. While Is it coronavirus? It's like coronavirus period, but um, I don't wish to it scare anyone. But in 1639, this plague wiped out a third of the population. Yeah. A third? A third. That was major. I don't think we're facing that, thank God. Um, so she's now in Naples and she's doing some kind of basic church commissions. But I mean, the church is where all the money's at, I guess. But the struggle for equal pay is real and she starts to bitch and moan about how actually why is my art not worth the same money as a similar if not inferior piece of work that a man has done and I'm having to haggle constantly to get the same amount of money why is it so hard it's like these people were commissioning this art and going no but we're not going to pay you the same as we pay a man you know if we're going to pay that much money we expect a real artist yeah Not great. A real artist. I know. So she then goes to join her father at the court of Charles I in London. Whoa. Yes. After 17 years of not seeing her father at all. Now, her father, Orazio, he was also an artist, obviously, um, and he's there because of his art. But King Charles actually invites Artemisia not because of his, her father being there at the court, but because she herself is such an eminent artist at this point that she deserves the recognition and he's seen her art and invites her to come. And he doesn't care if she's a man or a woman. Seemingly. He just likes her art. Seemingly that's the case. Now, do you remember Margaret Cavendish? And do you remember how Margaret Cavendish had a massive girl crush on Charles I's wife, Henrietta Maria of France? Ooh, vaguely. So she went just before the Civil War broke out. Uh Margaret Cavendish decided she wanted to go to the Queen's Court. And she accidentally kind of ended up in this, the Civil War's breaking out, we need to flee to To France. France. Yeah. This is almost exactly the same period that Artemisia comes to the court of Charles I. They may have been there at the same time. They may have met. They may have been in the same room. So... That's kind of cool. I couldn't. There are some pretty progressive women going on in these courts. Yes, exactly. And at this time, when she's in London, she does this um, what she calls a self-portrait as an allegory of painting, which hangs in the royal collection here in the UK now, and is considered her most exquisite work. And we have it in Britain. Yep, in the royal collection because she did it for Charles I while she was here in London. And that's her. And you can see she's a powerful 
independent looking woman. Mm-hmm. She commands respect, don't you yeah, think? Yeah, she does. And now that you've seen all her other art, you can see she's sort of using herself as a sort of model for these mm-hmm. other powerful Strong, women. buxom. Yeah. Okay, so towards the end of her life, her father dies in 1639 and Artemisia leaves England just as the Civil War is kicking off, just the same as our um, Margaret Cavendish did. Um, in 1649, she goes back to Naples. Now, it's unclear exactly when she died. It was either 1652 or 1653. Apparently, she might have died in a plague in 1656. No one's quite sure. Um, but I don't think we even know how she died. But after she dies, for 400 years, she disappears from history. Just like a lot of women seem to do over that Just period. Just like all those northern women. Yep. That Kate Fox talked yeah. about. Absolutely. Um, it's quite tragic and it seems to be only in the last sort of century that she's been rediscovered by the women's movement and people like us that care. Where was this portrait all this time? In the royal collection, I assume. So it's been there since yeah. the 16, 1700s? 1600s, yep. And presumably just people going, oh look, there's a woman, move on to the next thing. I don't know. Not who painted this? Oh, it was this really famous uh, just nobody artist. caring to look at it until the last century. So the good news is that she definitely is recognised nowadays. I mean, she is considered absolutely a, parallel, a, a peer, if not even better, than a lot of the artists at her time. Um, and this will amuse you. She, so she's now bundled into a sort of group of artworks together in what is called the Power of Women group of artworks. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um there's a small subsection of that that is known as the battle for the trousers, which <laughs> I know, I quite enjoyed that. So this is medieval Renaissance art and literature, um, and I'm getting this largely from the Wikipedia article <laughs> about the power of women, where heroic or wise men dominated by women presenting an admonitory and often humorous inversion of the male-dominated sexual hierarchy are depicted. So... I don't think Artemisia intended very much humour in her art. I don't think it was that. But she certainly cared about taking the power back. So I just want to give some credit to Professor Susan L. Smith, who was the one who wrote this groundbreaking 1978 dissertation called The Power of Women, which apparently had a huge impact on the history um, of art. And she was the first to explore... This idea of medical, uh, sorry, medical, listen to me. This is what wine does, folks. Medieval themes around women triumphing over men. And she then followed it up with a book in 1995, The Power of Women, a Topos in Medieval Art and Literature. So if, if you're into your art history, by all means, go look into that. I actually really enjoyed reading The Power of um, Women uh, Wikipedia page. So by all means, go have a look. Okay, so now... She's certainly recognised for what she did. She produced exquisite art. Mm-hmm. We have, we know about Helen Mirren doing... Do. It was apparently that was a Broadway play as well. And it was about her? Yeah, Artemisia. well, no. It was about... An, a, it was the Judith slaying... Oh, my God, what was his name? Herephides or something. Holophanes. Judith slaying Holophanes is stolen... And Helen Mirren looks into it and it turns into a kind of like murder. 
thing and she gets into black market art thing um it sounds quite cool and it seems you can still find it on um certainly youtube i don't know i might have to go and watch that uh so and apparently artemisia's story the of the rape and everything does actually kind of make its way into the plot so it's wow. like yeah it's it's in there there was an episode of morse i don't know if you ever used to watch morse like more no, sporadically not so my parents used to like it i quite enjoyed it um and judith and her maidservant which is a similar one is featured in that um there's a novel the passion of artemisia by susan vreeland i'd never heard of that but and is that who you were just referring to no so um this is a novel uh that was a professor susan right. l smith mm. that i was talking about earlier. susan's clearly dig artemisia <laughs> it's a thing yeah in 2002, and apparently this is quite a big deal, there was an exhibition at New York's Metropolitan Museum of Art where Artemisia and also her father, Orazio, uh, their art was displayed. Um, and apparently they referred to Artemisia as New York's latest it girl. Wow. Which is quite cool, I thought. And mo- most recently, and this is really cool, Pretty much now, like in the next fortnight, the National Gallery in London is opening an exhibition just on Artemisia Gentileschi, and it's running till the end of July. That's um, major. I know. Do you think in coronavirus times we'll be allowed to go and see it? I don't know. I mean, I was definitely going to suggest a girl trip, but coronavirus, we'll see how it goes. Um, there might be no one else there. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Cheap train tickets. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so that's the story of Artemisia, but I'd quite like to finish up by talking about talking about rape just for a minute, because I feel like if you cover a subject like this, you kind of just have to pay a little bit of respect to that. So there's rapecrisis.org.uk. They've got a free helpline, 0808 802 9999. And I thought for this episode, actually, it would be quite nice if we donated some money to Rape Crisis. So I did that. Um, not a lot, I'll be honest, but, you know, just enough. And if we make a lot of money on this ever, which we're not going to, we'll then we'll more. donate more. That's right. And anyone that's listening to this and would like to donate to them, please do. Um, you go to rapecrisis.org.uk and go to Get Involved. And there's loads of other great charities, actually, as well. There's Women's Aid, Victim Support, the Survivors Trust, Trust and Survivors UK. Because, of course, not just women are survivors of sexual assault. Mm-hmm. You know, there's men too. Um, and there's loads of great info there. Men are definitely survivors. If you think of the recent case with, who's the Thai guy who is considered oh my word. the biggest oh, rapist of all time? That is a horrific news story. And yeah, I I was shocked by that. He, yeah, huge numbers of men that he took advantage of mm-hmm. in Manchester, was it? Yeah. Horrific. Um, was he Thai? I can't remember. Um, but yeah, definitely let's not forget both women and men can be, Mm -hmm. um, survivors of sexual assault. So please do support the charities if you get a minute and God bless you, Artemisia. You did a great job and we love your art and And we will try and get to London. Absolutely. We'll do our best. Yeah. Okay. So that was Artemisia. And just a reminder, we, yeah, we still haven't set up our Facebook page properly, but we will soon. It's the wife who W Y F and we have a website that's still not set up properly yet, but it's thewifewho.com. Um, please do get in touch on the Facebook page though. You can still contact us, tell us about your stories. Um, if you have any connection with a woman who did something interesting, a wife who, 
then we'd love to hear from you. We would. And I would actually like to point out that by the time this gets published, the website might be ready. I really hope you're right. And the Facebook page might be ready. So all of this... Oh, it's not ready yet. This could be lies. I really hope you're right. And we, but we, we only just commissioned a sort of first draft of a logo yesterday. We don't really have any photographs. I mean, we're really not prepared, folks, let's be honest. But we're doing our best. And as Lou says, when we get this actually published, maybe it'll be the case. So do have a look in the little write-up of wherever the hell we're going to publish this, because we'll include details of it there. Anything else, Lou, or are we happy to call it a night? I think we can call it a night. Let's do one final click. Thank you, Artemisia. Thank you, Caroline. Thank you, everyone. Good night.